Welcome to the Point Noted Podcast with your host, Johnny B, and co-host who shows up whenever he wants to, former NFL player, Rashad Barksdale. It's raw, unfiltered, and no topic is off-limit. We talk sports, entertainment, culture, and a whole lot of random shit. Let's get to the point. Point on that podcast. This is your host, Johnny B, and I am by myself again. All these guys says once again, deserted me too, but that's all right, because I can hold it down for the team. Uh, we do have a special guest today. Uh, we have someone that's actually running for Congress. We have Zenab Machina with us. Zenab, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me, Johnny. Um, uh, I'm glad to be here. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes, it's Zenab Mosini, so it's M-O-H-S-I-N-I. Oh, yeah. man, it's so easy to mix that, right? Yeah, it is. Like, honestly, not until you just said it, I think I've actually been typing it out as S-H-I-N-I. So I am apologize for uh, uh, for being uh, kind of a dumbass for that. So. No, no worries <laughs> at all. I just noticed it too, as I said, as I uh, heard you pronounce it. I was like, oh, it's also M-O-S-H. I would have mm-hmm. corrected um, before, but no problem. It's very common, happens all the time. I will be sure when I put this out there, do my editing, I'll make sure we actually uh, get that correctly. So, thank but thank you. Thanks for being here. So you are running for Congress. I am. Uh, you are in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us, uh, how'd you get into politics? What made you decide you were the one that Northern Virginia needed in Congress? Uh, well, my uh, road to politics is uh, kind of long, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, so no I, um, <laughs> I'm a refugee from Afghanistan, and my family was resettled in in Beaverton, Oregon, and mm. we moved to Northern Virginia in 2006. And I wasn't really politically active up until 2016, and okay. kind of uh, went about my life. Uh, I went to school here. I went to the Northern Virginia Community College, transferred out to Virginia Tech. Um, in 2015, I graduated with a degree in communications, also accruing um, about $50,000 in student loan debt. So that Yikes. was very, yeah, right? So that was very um, hard for me to um, to kind of come to terms with that here I am, the first person to graduate college, but also have $50,000 in student loan debt. Kind of mm. put me into depression, started um um, my cycle of depression, but also couldn't find jobs. So the lack of opportunities in the job market, um, kind of the circular, circular cycle of no jobs. I couldn't get access to mental health care, also had debt. Um, so I started, um, uh, I had uh, left retail to go to college and then had to come back to retail was a very um, retail uh, a service job and, and kind of hard. So it was very mentally hard for me. And then while I was doing that, I've always been very involved in community. So I was volunteering at the same time while I was working. Um, I went to, I met somebody who told me about AmeriCorps. It's similar to Peace Corps, but within the United mm-hmm. States. Right. So um, I made it a mission. I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to save every uh, poor child who's going to go to college and um, accrue this debt. And I'm going to stop that. Um, (laughs) so i went yeah with this like savior complex um i went to portland oregon to work at a a educational equity nonprofit, um and still not politically active um so i went there and then it was there uh, when i became very um i started working on a on a group called the social justice and equity work group within that organization and started meeting people who 
um, I worked on a divestment project on. So we worked mainly with low-income students of color. And uh, we were taking funding from Wells Fargo, which is this uh, horrible history of discriminating against uh, people of color. So we worked on a divestment project, and I met so many incredible people people right. who were politically active and kind of made me realize how much policymaking uh, impacts our daily lives um, mm. in terms of uh, healthcare access, in terms of educational access. So right. um, I started going to protests and I started going to um, uh, all these circles that were very, very politically active, I started canvassing. And then after my term of service, I moved back to Northern Virginia. I did two terms, uh, uh, two years of, of, of service. And then when I moved back, same thing, I started canvassing on local progressive candidates um, teams and um, was a canvasser for two years and same cycle of not being able to kind of like find a job and uh, being more aware of the discriminations that exist against poor people, against people of color, against Muslim mm. people kind of mm. amplified in my life. And I started researching and I was like, I'm going to run for office and I'm going right. to make a difference in, in so many people like myself and uh, so many people who I met at the doors during my canvases um, who have similar issues. I'm going to make a difference in these people's lives by running for office. And I decided, and here I am. Wow. First of all, I have to say, I love, I love that intro you just did. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I love that detail, the story and the reason why you're running and what led to it. Um, so that really kind of allowed me and obviously the audience that will be listening to just kind of sit back and listen to who you are mm -hmm. uh, without have to worry about me interrupting mm -hmm. and popping questions. So thank you for that. Of course. Um, so, you know, you mentioned getting out with a degree and uh, having a hard time finding a job. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know, you know, some of the things that the people wanted, uh, what they call a federal guarantee job or federal job guarantee. Mm -hmm. Um you know, is that is that something that you're for as well? Absolutely. I support um, federal job guarantee for people. I think that especially um, for people, I think that a lot of um, requirements of coming out of poverty is, is a college degree. And I think that there's two prongs to that, right? To guarantee people jobs so people don't have to live in poverty, and especially mm. in a country like the U.S. We're so well-resourced. We have right. the money to where people like Jeff Bezos have the ability to become trillionaires, but we also have children, children who go to sleep hungry. So I think mm. that a federal jobs guarantee program would allow people to have better economic stability and um, and be able to live a a comfortable life um, and then also facilitating education. So higher education costs a lot of money for people, um, for low-income people. And I think that we owe those people as a society to, to be able to pursue education if they feel like it. Um, right. And that, and that helps the economy, right? The absolutely. more people are working, the more money in the people's pocket. Absolutely. Uh, we're able to take care of our seven, our family and we can be out there and buying and shopping and doing all these things that, booms and blows up the economy rather than tank it right uh, yeah absolutely right and you mentioned uh people like jeff bezos when you hear jeff bezos possibly becoming a trillionaire um i still don't understand what that means <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm still waiting to be a millionaire right <laughs> uh, so when you say in trillion i mean when you say trillion we are getting past hundreds of millions and mm -hmm. hundreds of billions so right. 
I don't know what that number looked like. Perhaps, you know, you're close to being a trillionaire yourself. Tell me, what did you think when you hear that? Uh, I think that it it saddens me that mm. we have um, people who are in the streets, right? People who are housing insecure. We have a education system that um, is not equitable. We have healthcare system that's not equitable, and um, and people have the ability to become a trillionaire. So, I th- just like you, I don't have. A, for me to conceptualize that idea of somebody becoming a trillionaire is just so out of this world that um, I had to read so many articles to be able to comprehend that. So Mm. I read this one article that said, when Jeff Bezos spends $1.7 million, it's like him spending a dollar for a regular person. So just to to wrap your mind around that is just so so out of so many regular working class people's um, realm that you can spend $1.7 million as if it's a dollar. Um, So I think that it's, it, it saddens me to know that we have this grave inequity in our society and that um, unfortunately not many of our political leaders um, are aware or have um, this bold idea of to, uh, to make our society more equitable to where we don't have a trillionaire and also people on the streets and also children who go to bed hungry. Yeah, but so when we say not to have a trillionaire, are we saying capping what somebody's net uh, worth, what their value can be? Or uh, are we saying maybe you will get there, but at least we need to make sure everybody else is also doing better? Absolutely. I think that, again, two-pronged, uh, two-pronged process, right, to make sure that we, um, we are – having people pay their taxes, like Amazon doesn't pay taxes. Amazon is instead um, incentivized to come to bring their businesses to to cities, right? So they make money off of um, off of uh, people's labors. So I think that mm. capping people's, there should be a maximum, um, uh, like instead of a minimum minimum wage, we we should also have a maximum 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 wage um, is to make sure that people aren't able to exploit other people's labors and work so much that they are making so much profits, um, right. like wealth cap, uh, people paying their taxes. I think that so much of, of the inequities exist because our government is is not um, requiring people to pay their fair share uh, um, amount of taxes, right? So right, these right. people who, who are billionaire, I think that I agree with what Senator Sanders has proposed in terms of wealth tax and um, income tax. And then um, what uh, Elizabeth Warren had uh, had um, suggested that you pay a penny after a certain amount of wealth you have accrued, which is like a lot of these people are not able to spend this money. Um, it's going to stay in their um families for generations to come it because a lot of our wealthy um a lot of our the wealth that exists within our society is um inherited wealth right so these inequities are going to exist for generations Um, i think that we as a society need to center human rights and uh strive toward a an an equitable um equitable economic right economy um so that way people have everybody has a shot at just like meeting their basic needs not even that everybody has to be a millionaire or nobody can be a millionaire but just like so everybody could live should we 
she will look at it in a way that we live in a society that is just kind of selfish, where it's a me, me, me society where, you know, I mean, obviously the we have the top and the bottom and the bottoms are thinking about how can I get better? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the top are thinking about it's not my place to help the bottom get better. Right. Uh, because the bottom, whatever we do, are always going to be helping the top. Mm-hmm. But the top are necessarily not involved in any action that helps the bottom because they don't have to. Right. So that is right. So this kind of society we live in, we have that big gap, right? It's a mm-hmm. selfish society. So are we are we also looking at tweaking and twisting that as that part of that, you know, that uh, Senator Sanders rule is to make sure that we all thinking about each other, that the top is thinking about each other and they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to put things in place that forces you to give back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I forget it's one of the squad members who said that we don't have a um, a lack of resource in this country. We have a, a, a problem of greed, right? So I think that right. um, we need to curb that greed in terms of um, creating these policies. I think that there needs to be a cultural shift of people caring about other people and human lives. And then right. there needs to be policies in place to implement that. Um, so right. I think that as politicians, it is our duty to serve people. And we should be representative of the working class, of the marginalized, of those most vulnerable. Um, and I think that when we go into into politics, unfortunately, a lot of people um, go into to for personal gain. A lot of politicians become millionaires while they're in office. And right. How does that happen? <laughs> how does right. that happen? Um, and I think that when we take the money motive out of politics, then people get true representation. And it's a step towards an equitable society. Um, and I, I think we need to make that a norm. I think that this idea of, oh, um, politicians are um, swayed by lobbyists and by interest group is, is shouldn't be normalized. It should right. be, um, I think that people should hold um, hold our, our representatives accountable, um, that right. you should not be uh, um a millionaire, like your goal should not be to go to into politics so you can make, make money. Your goal should be that you want to make uh, people's lives better and, and create a, a good society, a, a, an equitable, just society. And um, I don't know when that definition changed of, of like the purpose of government is to, to have, um, you know, to, to make sure that everybody has what they need to live in, in, right. in, in our country. So. Right. That's definitely changed. That's not, that's not how we're being governed no more. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's for, you know, it's, it's to get rich, uh, make rich friends, mm-hmm. uh, the lobbyists and the corporation that the money that they have, that right. they can pump into, into politics. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And, you know, we've been talking to a lot of, uh, you know, grassroots, uh, Candidates, you know, mm-hmm. new candidate, fresh bloods, you know, like yourself, yeah. that are trying to get into Congress and the Senate uh, to make a difference, uh, mm-hmm. like AOC did about a year or two ago. Right. And and the problem, I, and the question I keep having is, you know, some of you gonna get in there, mm-hmm. right? Some gonna get in, but that money's waiting for you when you get to when you get to Washington. Mm-hmm. Either either the first year or the second year, they're gonna keep trying you right. to put that money in your pocket, to mm-hmm. put the money in your pocket. We all know our temptation is, but at some right. point, right. depends on how strong you are, you tend you tend to give in. So, right. Right. have you thought about that? Have you thought about okay, do you know like, have you thought about you getting that they are going to start throwing money at you to sign mm-hmm. certain bills, and how long can you hold off on that? And I know it's going to be easier to say, oh, 
I can hold off for that. But right. you look at the guys that have been there, like mm-hmm. it's got, it's going to be hard, isn't it? Right. Right. Absolutely. It? I think that, yes, I agree with you hundred percent. And I think about that very often. And I think that once you reach this economic threshold that no longer reflects the livelihood of people that you're representing, I think that mm-hmm. it's your responsibility as a per- public servant to step down, that you no longer have the connection to everyday struggles, um, then you should step down. And I think that it, it, it's happened. I agree with you 100%. I think that we hear this about Susan Collins, right? That she went in and she was a, such a strong supporter of like term limits and wanted to, um, you know, like step down after 10 years or something like that. But then mm-hmm. the power and the money has held her and she uh, she's it's still changed. there. <laughs> yeah, it's changed. Yeah, it changed. Then, Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that that's why we... Um, need to have better voter education. I think that people should, you know, public servants work for the public. So I think that accountability from constituents, accountability from from voters uh, is so important. And I think that we need to have a stronger push for people uh, to have political participation, to have, um, uh, like, be aware of what happens in politics and the implications that those policies have on our daily lives. Um, And and I think that we need to push that to hold people accountable to, um, to the public and not to, to special interests, which is part of my policy platform is, is to expand the civil rights and voting rights act to guarantee Mm. automatic registration for voters, to um, eliminate barriers for people to be able to vote, um, to have a better expansion of of voter education within our communities. There are a lot of organizations who are nonprofit who are doing the work of what the government should be doing, especially when we call ourselves a a democracy. There has to be input from all sides. Um, And there's so many people who are left behind. So um, I want to expand those to be able to be accountable to people. Um, and I think that I, I agree with you that you, we are human beings. And I think that special interest um, or like personal interest can get to us. But I think that we there's so many solutions to to that, to be able to have um, people hold hold their representatives accountable. Like so many people don't vote in the primary. We have such a low turnout in general in terms of voting, which is unfortunate. And I think that that's why so many um, politicians and political representatives get away with um, representing special interests, despite the fact that our votes is what gets them to the place that they are. Right. And then once they get there, they just say, oh, forget them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Here. They got me here. It, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like courting a woman and then you get her and then you just start doing necessary things to keep her. So. Right. Right. So um, right. I think that it's a relationship and public servants should be public servants. And Absolutely. there are people who you hear about, especially in these like grassroots campaigns, people who are challenging these incumbents who have never held a town hall, like mm-hmm. have not been back to the community to, to seek out issues, change people's, um, like right now, um, for example, COVID-19 is a huge issue, right? So, so many people are um, being uh, impacted by this pandemic. And um, so there should be a, a connection between representatives and the constituents. And how can we have representatives who never have town halls, who never um, uh, are never been, uh, held accountable. I think that there's these flaws within our systems that exist that need to be fixed for us to have a a equitable representation. Absolutely, and it's it's all about 
getting our point across to the power that be, right? Like, it's not an easy thing, right? Okay. I mean, because, you know, we have these guys have been in Washington for years. They are mm-hmm. not, they, not they, they, are, they have no interest in listening. Right. Uh, they have no reason to change because it's working for them. So the struggle that you guys are going to face as the new faces that are trying to get a Congress and Senate is, you know, being able to make your point, being able right. to get that point across and having enough supporters. Uh, and I think you're going to have enough down there. Uh, right. but just to have enough to start helping these bills get pushed and passed. Right, right. Uh, and, and like like the race that you're in right now, is what is a three-person race? Uh, I believe it's a three-person race. Oh, minus and, two. I'm in the primary. It's just the two of us. So I'm... Just, okay. Yeah. So you're an incumbent? Mm-hmm. Is that, yes. Is it, okay. Yeah. Right. And I noticed, you know, he's got about, what, $1.8 million raised already? Right. Uh, so, I mean, and then you have a people funded campaign. It's kind of tough to fight that, that kind of money. Right. Right? It is. Absolutely. I think that... Um, also, uh, he has like $3 million in the bank. I think that there's so many fundamental <laughs> issues that we differ um, in in terms of like policymaking. I, I am anti-war. I'm as a refugee. I understand the, the horrible, horrible impacts of war on people, not mm-hmm. only uh, local, like uh, domestically, like on the veterans and the families of the veterans, but also people who are experiencing it from the other side. Um, right. But he has like $400,000 of his own money in the... Uh, military industrial complex and he sits on the foreign affairs committee so i think that there's this revolving door of politics um that needs to stop and money needs to be out of politics so our policies are no longer made in accordance to what in accordance to what benefits the the special interest yeah right Um, right. but it's hard but i'm so hopeful i see so many working class people so many regular people wanting to be a part of our political process and there's a there's a realization that our voices matter and we can hold our representatives accountable and that just because you're an incumbent with money doesn't um, automatically guarantee you the seat that you have to earn people's vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't buy the vote, earn the vote. Yes. Um, uh, So I got another one for you here. Uh, This is a, this is a, uh, I'm glad this is actually pretty big on your website for some of the things that you support, which is racial injustice. Yes. Uh, I uh, Every time I think about, you know, policing, mm-hmm. uh, racial injustice, the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my thought never gets too far because mm-hmm. I get stuck with, can we fix it? You know, when you mm-hmm. think about solutions, you start thinking about how can we fix it? Mm-hmm. But honestly, sometimes when I think about uh, the racial injustice in this country, uh, police brutality towards mm-hmm. brown and African American. Right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure where to start because it's so broken, so shattered. Right. That uh, that the police department, um, Caucasians are not willing to actually look at it and say, "Okay, this is wrong. Right. How do we fix it?" Right. You know, like those things would always tell you. Uh, admitting is the first step to healing and recovering right. and all of that stuff. And I feel like. We just haven't the meat. So go ahead and talk about your plan. What do you think? What's going on? Why are we so divided between the blacks and the white, the white and the brown, mm-hmm. uh, the police community? Why Why is it so bad? Why does police officers look at a black person mm-hmm. and automatically just 
doesn't see a person, doesn't see a human right, being. I right. don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I think that racial justice and equity is something uh, coming from my, an activist background, I think has been some, some of my like most uh, impactful education has been in racial justice and equity. And I think that when you look at policy, there's so much, so many intersections of our policies that are racist, that are anti-Black, that w- if we don't talk about it, like you said, we cannot fix it. So I think that the first step is for us to recognize that a lot of our policies are um, racial, like uh, racially unjust, unjust. Right. So we Absolutely. need to recognize that. We need to talk about it so we can fix it. I think that um, we talk about unity a lot, and I, there's no way around um, y- unity. You, we have to go through this. It's going to be painful. It's going to be a lot of um, hurt, a lot of um, just restructuring of our priorities, but we need to have it. Um, I agree with you that um, our systems are broken, and I think that we can only move forward as a society if we um, address the the racial inequities in our society. I think when you look at um, even within um, COVID nineteen, the um, a lot of uh, the uh, death rates due to COVID. Uh, is higher among uh, the black community, among the Latinx community, which right. speaks so highly to the inequities that exist within our healthcare system. Mm. Um, and I think that in terms of our criminal justice system, uh, black people make 13% of the, the population while 40% of the prison, um, uh, right? Just terrible. Right. Right. It, which is so, uh, it's, it's horrible um, and there's no way around it. We have to talk about it. We have to recognize it. So I think that... Um, Part of my my solution is just to have a, a, a an open conversation and work within um, with uh, uh, organizations that exist like Black Lives Matter to be able to create policies that will uplift uh, Black communities and Latinx communities and other marginalized groups um, in order for for us to become uh, more equitable. Um, and Absolutely. I think that when we t- think of racism, I think that there's um, uh, this conversation of like racists are people who uh, carry swastikas and are out in the streets trying to, um, no, but not. it's not true because I think that yes, those people do exist, but we live in a racist society we carry implicit biases within us that we need to have conversations about um like within our police force we need to have racial justice um aspects to it to to our training of how we how we train the the police we need to get community members involved on a path of more rehabilitative um um pursuit than than to a correctional pursuit um and i think that there so many intersections of like how the bail, the cash bail impacts black people differently, how our healthcare system um, has failed black people and just like so many um, uh, policies that exist that don't address that. And then um, down the road where we end up with a broken uh, criminal justice system. And, and my goal as a representative and as a politician is to have, um, have a racially um, aware um, policy platform so that way we can address it and move forward as a society. I think that reparations is something that we is a conversation that's way overdue. And we need to um, investigate reparations and and uh, invest in in black communities, invest in in um, in these communities that have been um, uh, kind of left behind for centuries. Yeah, yeah. I love. I mean, I, I love all of that, and I'm glad you you were able to speak a lot. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm really happy you were able to do most of the talking in this conversation. 
Sorry. Uh, that, that, no, 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 no. This is exactly what we needed and what I want is more for the guests to kind of go out and just talk. So it allowed me to listen, allow me to, to you know, to make notes and we can just kind of talk a little bit uh, more about what I'm picking on on that. So that's great. Thank you. Um, absolutely. Uh, so, but, you know, like you said, with, you know, policing and the criminal justice system, my fear has always been uh, what does it benefit those in power to change? It doesn't affect them. And, mm-hmm. and I think until we can get it to the point where those that are making the rules can feel the pain, where they can actually understand the pain, um, I, I, I think it's just going to continue to be the way it is, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, black lives being shared, mm-hmm. uh, brutality, yeah. uh, the brown, Latino community suffering, everybody just, just really, really having a hard time right. uh, dealing with the criminal justice system. So, uh, but we, we, we have to keep talking about, like you said, the, the first step is that communication and open communication, right. open, con- open conversation, and hopefully that, mm-hmm. uh, that will get us to, to where we need to get to. Right. Uh, now, so going back to your race and your campaign out there, how, how are you doing out there? How do uh, how's the race going? Do you feel like you're getting uh, you're getting a good reach to the people out there? You get enough uh, from the local media out there? How is that race going? Because your your opponent's got a lot of money, so <laughs> he does. Yeah, he has a big pocket. <laughs> he so does. You, you you need some Jeff Bezos right now, right? I need some Jeff Bezos, and hopefully, I, I would never get money. For, uh, would never be. Um, Never accept money from J- Jeff Bezos, but um, right. I, <laughs> and um, I'm so anti big corporation. I don't think he'd offer me money. He'd probably try probably to crush me. Right. <laughs> but right. um, it's pretty good, actually. Um, we're digital, so um, a lot of our um, our operations are most everything is online. We're uh, text banking, phone banking every day. We have a, a very dedicated group of volunteers who believe in in the power of our message and who believe in in a a just and equitable society and and a future um, for for our country. So we're doing pretty well. Uh, We don't have the money, but we are so convicted in what we believe in as our uh, messaging that uh, we feel pretty good. You have the people and the people has power. Absolutely. Good for you. You're doing the right thing. I I, I love, I love the campaign you're running. Thank you so much. I love, I love all the issues that you lay on your website. Uh, You know, I, I, I think you have a good shot. Thank um, you. I, if I, I did have, if, I, if I have a deep pocket, I would. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I would, I will donate to your cause right now. Thank you so much. And for much. those that are listening, I'm hoping that we get enough of our guys uh, to go ahead and donate as well. So uh, before we wrap it up, and I think we're doing excellent today. It might be the shortest one we've done. Thank uh, you. I'm more conscious of time. Uh, just go ahead and tell the people where, uh, how they can help, where they can donate, where they can find more on the issues that you support. Uh, so they can follow you. Absolutely. So our website is um, ZainabMusini.com. So my first name, mm-hmm. last name.com. Our issues are listed. You can reach out to volunteer. You can donate online. I'm on Twitter at Zainab Musini. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so please reach out. It's also linked on our website. So um, let us know. We are a people-powered grassroots campaign and uh, running on, on a message of uh, social justice and equity. And um, we hope to have your support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Zainab for coming. Thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Johnny. This was wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Point Noted Podcast with Johnny B and Rashad B. Follow us on Twitter at PT Noted and Instagram at Point Noted. 
Hit the subscribe and follow button to follow us and check out more episodes of us talking a whole bunch of shit. You've been noted.